Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. So the, the, the title of my message this morning is Lessons from Italy. Lessons from Italy. And I had to, I had to, I literally had to um, kind of Reduce it down. I probably had 35, but I've, I'm only going to do seven today. So there are so many lessons. Ecclesiastes 2.14. Ecclesiastes 2.14 says this. It says that the wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. The, eyes man, the wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. What does that mean? That means that uh, fools just kind of, they, they don't see. They stumble along in the darkness. They don't see. They don't recognize. So you'll find that if you're walking in wisdom, everything is a lesson. Everything is, is a learning curve. So um, if we can throw the first photo up there, um, this, is, this is, oh, they've missed her beautiful face. But that's, oh, there it is. Look at that. Thank you, guys. That's Liani and I. Um, where is that? Is that Pescara? Oh, no, that was at that. Chita Sant'Angelo? No? Anyway, it's somewhere in Italy, but it, there, there, are, there are millions of, of gorgeous photos, and I sent the guy, guys a, a few. Um, but he, here's, here's the first, first lesson that I learned in Italy, is mistakes make maestro. Mistakes make maestro. So we, we landed there. We left here on the 30th of June, and just because of the nine-hour time difference, by the time we got to Venice, which was our first destination, it was the first it was the weirdest thing that you fly into Venice on an airplane, you land on the tarmac, you get off, you get your bags. I was certain I was only taking carry-on because I didn't spend all this money to stand at a baggage carousel waiting for bags. The problem was Venice was so efficient that Leanne, who put her foot down with Zoe, Abigail, my two, the, the two, Young ladies in my world, both of them said, no, we're not doing that. We're, we're checking on. And I'm like, well, I'm not waiting for you. And their bags came off first. First bags that came off. So there was no waiting. But then as we, as we walked out through, through customs, um, that there was a young lady there to, to greet us, to take us to our transport, which wasn't a taxi, it wasn't a cab, it wasn't a van, it wasn't a shuttle, it was a boat. You actually go from the airport by boat. There are, no, there are no wheels, no wheels. There's no scooters, no motorbikes, no bicycles. I didn't even see a bicycle, no cars on the island of Venice. So we get to Venice and it, it was, you know, it was very, very um, overwhelming just seeing that they, they literally built a city in the water. And they would dam up the water and then they would dig down into the, into the, the mud till they hit rock. And then they would use, use concrete and then they would put brick on top of that and then they'd let the water back in. And the entire, the entire city of Venice is, is a giant fish that they literally shaped it so it looks like a giant fish. If you're up above it, that's what it looks like. 
and it's got canals and, and you can be walking one way thinking I'm heading somewhere and all of a sudden it's a dead end, there's a canal and you've got, no, you've got to turn around and go all the way back. And, but on the second day, Leanne had um, taken people's counsel to uh, take us to uh, the island of Murano where they have glass blowing and it was where glass was literally invented. That's where they discovered glass. And these, these uh, artisans who create glass, windows and chandeliers and wine glasses, that's, that's what I thought we're going to see, um, were, uh, were such high repute that they, they were friends with kings. They were friends with emperors. And, and kings would, would intermarry their children with these artisans. That's how it, it was so protected that um, they would have people from all over the world would come to try to learn to say, hey, we want to be a disciple. And then they would be sneaking off, wanting to take that because they could make money and, and they would capture them and cut off their hands and gouge out their eyes and then let them go so they could tell people what they saw, but they couldn't replicate it and they couldn't explain it properly. And so, um, so they, they protected the, the uh, glass blowing for so many years and so I'm thinking we're going to get there and we're going to see wow a wine glass fascinating and that's what I thought but when we got there the the artistry the 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 vases the the the, the chandeliers the window it was it was mind-blowing it was some of the greatest art I've ever seen so then they start telling us how um in, in fact our our tour guide was a young guy, his last name was Fernazzo, Fernazzo. And, and he's like, you would understand, like my parents wanted me to carry on the trade of being um, a glassblower because my last name literally means furnace. And we're like, oh my gosh, he says, but you know, none of this generation wants to, wants to be a glassblower. I said, why not? And he said, well, because it's, it's you gotta start when you're a teenager and it's, you know, eight, 10, 12 hour days in front of a furnace that is 1,300 degrees centigrade, so about 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit, and long days. And to become a maestro, you don't make any real money. You, you're on minimum wage until you become a maestro, and it takes 40 years to become a maestro. And I said, 40 years? He said, yeah. He says it takes 40 years of mistakes. It takes 40 years of mistakes. And as soon as he said 40 years of mistakes, I said, hang on, what, what did you just say? You don't mean 40 years of accomplishments, 40 years of success. F you know, like you produce your first and people go, wow, that's amazing. Just replicate. He says, no, no, no. It's 40 years of mistakes that makes maestro. The word maestro means master. You become a master through 40 years of mistakes. And all of a sudden, it really began to hit me that... We, we kind of live, the, the, the Western world, the, the Tony Robbins world, the Unleash the Giant Within world is all about, you know, pretending that, you're, that you've got it all together. Um, we, we, in, in America especially, you, you can meet someone, they did a six-week course, and now they're a life coach. And, uh, and you give them money, and you're like, halfway through, you're like, I'm not really sure they know what they're talking about. And uh, the greatest life coaches aren't the ones who have never lost. The greatest life coaches are the ones who have made the most mistakes. In fact, one of the criticisms of Awakened Church is that, you know, Leanne and I, were, you, you're just too transparent. One of the biggest critiques we would get. But we just kind of felt like, gosh, I'm not going to waste all of these mistakes. 
that I've made over my lifetime, you know, I can't, if I really love you and I really care about you, I need to say, man, don't go down that path. You know, and I made this mistake. And man, you know, and so, so people have leaned in because we've made mistakes. I remember the first home we built, the first house we built, I just blindly and foolishly trusted the project manager builder who had never project managed or built before. He just wanted to become a project manager and he wanted, you know, our money to do it with. And halfway through the project, I began to just think things aren't adding up. I'm not sure. And then as, you know, Leanne's pregnancy with Ash began to progress and then we get that wonderful announcement that he's run out of our money and that we have a half-finished house, you know, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. Um, it, was, it was unbelievable pressure. And we had no support from, from anybody in our church because they were very envious. Um, I was the... I was the junior associate pastor at this time, and the senior associate was very, very envious that, that we were building this home and they didn't have the faith to believe for what we were believing for, so they were reveling in the fact that it was pressure. They were reveling in the fact that it was the senior pastor's wife would come every day because they lived in a hovel, and she would come every, every morning because I would get up at about half past three, four, and go and work till about 8.30, and then race to, to the office and work all day and go home, have a shower, eat dinner, and then go back and work because there was no money. So I had to do it all, all myself. And, uh, and so she would make sure and, you know, that, that I was leaving on time, that I was you know, clocking in nine to five, that I wasn't cheating the office because I was building this home that everyone was in. And I remember when we finished the home, um, the associate pastor said, well, I bet you'll never do that again because of all this, you know, Leanne and, Leanne and I moved in with little baby Ash and we had three days where we had no running water or electricity. You know, with a brand new baby, you need some running water and you need some electricity. We had three days of just incredible pressure. And, uh, you know, and it, it, was, it was difficult. It was, uh, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a very traumatic time. And I'm, I'll never forget him kind of being very smug, saying, well, I'll bet you'll never do that again. And it was like the Holy Ghost came on me. I said, well, I'll be a fool not to. And he's like, what? I said, I'd be an idiot not to do it again. He goes, what do you mean? All the pressure. I said, yeah. I just spent hundreds of thousands of dollars of how not to do it. The lessons I've learned. I said, let me tell you something. First, thing I, first chance I get, I'm going to build another house. And, and so when we got to, to Sydney, Australia, we, we bought land and built a house and doubled our money. I mean, they, 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 what did they call me? The evil negotiator or something? Because, um, you know... You, you weren't allowed to have, you know, orange roof tiles, but we had orange roof tiles, and uh, I just, I just, I just did whatever. I got forty years of mistakes make a maestro. A mistake is only a mistake if you don't convert it into education, into a lesson. Number two, the second thing was we were in uh, in Venezia, in Venice, and. There was the most stunning cathedrals. I mean, all, all throughout Italy, there's the most stunning church buildings, cathedrals. And I was just talking to one of the, the, the young guys who was working at a cafe right next to the, the stunning cathedral. And he saw me reading, he saw us reading the Bible. And he said, what do you, you read? I said, oh, we're reading the Bible. Oh, we need more people with faith. And he pointed, he said, see these buildings? He says, a century ago, everybody went to church. He says, now a century later, he says, 
people come, they look at the church, but nobody goes to church. They've lost a generation. So the second thing that I learned is that a monastery mentality is a death knell. A monastery mentality is a death knell. We were seeing these opulent cathedrals, but uh, the cities were, were smaller and less populated, but the churches were full. Now he says the cities are overpopulated. The cities are full of people and the churches are empty. The, church, the cities were small and the churches were full. The city grew large and the churches are empty. And as we traveled through Europe, what we, what we began to see was all these monasteries, 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 the monks, 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 the nuns, nuns, nuns. And, and what, what happened was they, they decided that the world was wicked, the world was evil, the world was sinful, and that God had called us to be holy. So what we're going to do is we're going to disconnect from the world. And we're going to make vows that God never asked us to make, take vows of poverty or vows of silence. And, you know, somehow God is pleased with our asceticism, you know, with our suffering. And we're going to sit on cold concrete and, and, you know, walk upstairs reading the scriptures on our knees or, you know, say a thousand Hail Marys a day and, and uh, you know, neglect our health and neglect our, ourselves and just, you know, just subsist on one meal a day and, and so the church disconnected from culture. Jesus didn't say, I, I want you to, my highest priority is for you to be holy from the world. And so I need you to disconnect from the world because it's evil. And by disconnecting, you'll produce holiness. No, Jesus said, go into all the world and make, the, I want you to go into all the world. He says, but when I send you in the world, understand that you're in the world, not of the world. Don't be of the world, be of my spirit. And in the world, you, you will be tempted. In the world, you will see evil. In the world, you, you will be around corruption. You just make a decision in those moments that you're not of that, that you're of something else. You you pray in the Holy Spirit. Why do you think he's called the Holy Spirit? Because he produces holiness. And so we began to see that these churches were empty because they stopped engaging in culture. They stopped being involved in the political realm. They stopped being involved in the cultural realm, in the civic realm, in the educational. They, they, they pull. And when the church pulls back, you better believe the devil comes in. So we went into these places and they're burning incense to the queen of heaven. They would say that they're lighting candles to Mary, but Mary never looked like that. It's not how Mary looked. That's the queen of heaven. They honestly believe like our wedding anniversary is August 15. In Italy, August 15 is a public holiday because it's the ascension of Mary. Apparently, not, just, not only did Jesus ascend into heaven, but so did Mary. Mary ascended into heaven, and when she ascended into heaven, she was crowned. It's not in the scriptures, not in the Bible, but these guys have got special knowledge. She was crowned in heaven as the queen of heaven. And so we walked into, in, uh, in Loreto, we went into a, a beautiful cathedral in Loreto, and there was Jesus hanging on the cross, and there was one candle lit for Jesus. But when you walked over to the, the Queen of Heaven, when you walked over to Mary, there was hundreds of candles all lit to Mary. When we were in Milan, um, the, the, the cathedral right in the middle of the, the main square of Milan has a golden statue on the very, very top, not of Jesus, but of Mary, the Queen of Heaven. And she's wearing a crown, and it's... 
And so you can see, and, and in the book of Jeremiah, the Bible says that when, when the Babylonians came in and, and destroyed Jerusalem and burnt down the temple and took away the captives to, to Babylon, some of the Jews who were still in idolatry, who were told by Jeremiah to stay in Judah, in Jerusalem, instead fled down to Egypt. And when they got to Egypt, they said, in Egypt, we are, we are worshiping and burning incense to the queen of heaven. And our wives bake cakes to the queen of heaven. When you go to Italy, they burn, they burn candles to what they say is Maria, Mamma Mia, Mary. And they make these cakes, you know, of, of pregnant at Easter because Tammuz was born at Christmas and nine months earlier was Easter. And so they make these, these cakes of a woman with a, with a baby or an egg in her, her. And it's, it's, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's thousands of years later. It looks like Christianity. It's dressed like Christianity from the outside. But on the inside, they're worshiping the same gods of, of Egypt. In fact, when you, when you, when you look at the, 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 the wafer, the I, the H, and the S in a sun, it's, 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 they're worshiping the sun god Ra. And then you have Isis, you have um, Horus, and you have Set. They're the three Egyptian gods. That's what's on the wafer in the, the Catholic Church. So because they moved away from faith, because they disengaged from culture, it's important for us to engage in culture. Now, I know it's not pleasant for them to write, you know, articles in Coronado Times and put us on the front page and we're this and they, they, you know, they don't interview, they just slander and they just say, hey, this is what they, we haven't talked to them, but they're, you know, they only care about money and Jürgen Leanne, you know, went into ministry for money. Like, I would, as a mechanical engineer, I would make 150000 a year. Instead, I went into ministry where I was working for the church for free for the first seven months. And then they put me on a salary of about 12,000 US dollars. So, yeah, the motivation was money. I'm going to leave 150,000. But stupid people say stupid things. But, but it's actually not a bad thing. Believe it or not, blessed are you when you are persecuted. Never, never retreat in persecution. If you're being persecuted, you're doing something right. Jesus says, for so they treated the prophets, for so they treated the men of God that God sent before, blessed are you when you were persecuted. This, this, you're, you're, you're over the target. You're doing the right thing. I would be worried if you're a preacher or a minister and you're loved by the world. You're, you're, you're championed by the world. I've got to start thinking, man, how come this world, how come there's a congruency? You should. The third one was um, quality over quick. Quality over quick. There, 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 can be, there can be a rush to, to get things done. Hey, we, we need this. We need the system. What's the fast track? How, how, do we, how do we multiply our campuses? You know, it's all about we're just going to get people saved. And so let's, let's lower the bar. Let's lower the standard. Let's, let's not touch this. And let's not preach about, you know, homosexuality. Let's not preach about, you know, abortion. Let's not preach about politics. And let's not, you know, let people know that we support Donald Trump. And let's not, let's just, let's just lower the drawbridge. Let's lower our standards because, you know, we've got to get fast growth. We want to get the biggest crowd on a Sunday, we want to get, but, but when you go to Rome, they, they, they weren't interested in quick. They were interested in quality. You go to the Colosseum, the Colosseum today, 
the Colosseum today is still standing and there's not one nail and not one use of concrete. It's stones that were carved out of bedrock some 40, 50 miles away from a quarry and brought in and it's it, in its heyday held 60,000 people. They could fill the floor with water and have battles on ships. And, you know, the entertainment, the, the, the structure, it had elevators that went up. It had a b beneath the ground floor where they kept the gladiators and the wild animals. And, and it was, I mean, and it's still standing today. Still standing today is the Colosseum. As we went through Rome, we're seeing things that are 2,300 years old. We, we, we were on the Appian Way, a road. And because they decided they wanted to build with quality rather than quickness, those things are still today. And it really impacted me. I thought that's, you know, I know in the military, and I'm probably going to get this wrong, but in the, in, I remember a Marine told me many, many years ago, when you start taking fire, it's very easy to, to, to panic. And, and so they, they, they teach them to exhale, to slow everything down, that slow is sure and sure is quick. Or slow is sure, sure is fast. To, to slow everything down, just put the bullet chin, chin, in the chamber, bam. And by, by slowing everything down, you're actually quicker. If you're trying to rush, it takes twice as long because... And I, and I looked at our, our model and I thought, thank God that, you know, one of the areas that God has really worked on us is, is ego. You know, quite often the, the question that I ask, hey, well, you know, what about... People will say this about you. Let them say it. Well, don't you care what people... I, I don't. I don't. I, I felt God just deal with my ego. I'm not trying to be the next anything. I'm not trying to defend something. What I know is that we want to build quality. And so rather than, hey, oh, man, at our church we had, you know, a thousand souls saved on a Sunday. Not that that's a bad thing. That's a wonderful thing. But even more than the soul saved or any accolades that come with that, I can't save a soul. Jesus does the soul saving, but he has asked us to make disciples. So I've got to look behind the curtain. I've got to look at the cogs inside the machine and make sure that we're doing what he asked. When he gets them saved, we do the discipling. We do the unraveling. Have we got systems in place to disciple, to multiply, to develop people, to develop the giftings and the talents and the ministries and the callings on their life, to develop the character of Christ in them so that we can deploy them as leaders, as examples in the community? And really, you know, that's been the, the secret source of the, the growth and the health of awakened churches that we, we're not all about the Sunday show and the, the altar calls and it's all about souls and God give us souls. And it's actually about making disciples. It's actually about, you know, because I mean, we, we, would hear these, we would hear these things, wouldn't we, Leanne, where we heard about, um, you know, now that you're saved, it's not about you. It's about the lost. 
So it's almost like no incentive to get saved because last week I was lost and it was all about me. Oh my gosh, like welcome home was on the door. Come as you are. I came as I am and it was all about me and everyone was loving on me and I came forward and I received you. I'm like, man, I like this. I could do with more of this. And now a week later you're saying it's not about me anymore. I want to go back to that. I want it to be all about me. Can I tell you, when you get saved, it never stops being about you. God is obsessed with you. He loves you. It doesn't end when you get saved. It begins when you get saved. It begins when you get saved. All right, number four was build beyond your personal legacy. Build beyond your personal legacy. What does that mean? Um, uh, Mikey, Mikey Yeager, engineer. What was the name of the, um, the architect that built the Colosseum in Rome? Nobody knows. We don't know. It's the only reason I asked you, because if anybody would know, it would be you. And I was getting nervous, thinking, maybe Mike's got special intel. <laughs> so nobody know, no, to this day, nobody knows who the architect was. But the Colosseum is filled with thousands of people lining up in the hot sun to ooh, ah, in the wonder of the Colosseum. And yet this man, who was the architect, didn't even put his name on it. Because he wasn't about building his own personal legacy, his own name, his own. When you look at the gardens throughout, the, 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 the gardens, the, the sculptures, the, 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 the monuments, the buildings, some of the cathedrals that were there took 600 years to build. So at 600 years, it's no, no longer about me and my legacy. It's about creating something that is so great that it goes beyond my lifetime. And I kind of felt like if we, if we can kind of build beyond, beyond our name has to be attached to it, you know, I've got to get all the credit. If we can just understand that, hey, what, what we're building is for the glory. I, I've actually found that the, 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 the enemy can use my insecurity and my ego against me, can use it against me, that it, that it needs to be about Jurgen, needs to be about Leanne. And I've actually found that we revel and, and rejoice in the great, the great team. Like when I see, you know, Pastor Mark Saundercock come, who's Summer's dad, and, you know, preach at our campus, and then he sends me the most beautiful email saying greatest church in the world, greatest church in the world. He's traveled all over the world. Greatest church in the world, the health. He says, I went to every one of your, your campuses that I went to, the leaders were extraordinary. I've never seen such high quality leaders. And then for me to see his daughter, just whatever we give Pastor Sama, she, she, is, she is a, she's a, she's a kingdom expert. She's a kingdom aficionado, everything she does, she does brilliantly. She's extraordinary. And Alex Clark gets saved in our church. But just, the guy's a genius. Mikey Yeager, I mean, now I'm in big trouble. The, the Johnsons, whatever we give the Johnsons, flourish. Whatever we give the Johnsons are incredible. You know, from children's church to generations to IT to structures to finance. I mean, everything you give these people. And no wonder you look at their kids. It's like they've got the three most amazing little humans on the planet. I look at Rigo, uh, just, just, a, just a powerhouse, absolute powerhouse. 
I love that. It, it, it's amazing. You know, we, we saw, you know, Leanne and I were having a conversation about a particular ministry saying, oh, is there anybody you know that this fairly significant ministry could sit under, could work under, and we couldn't come up with anybody because all the other people were so about themselves that there's no room on their platform for somebody that carries a large mantle. I thought, God, God forbid that we should ever be like that. For us, it's actually championing people. For us, it's about raising up other people. If you can get out of your own way, it's amazing what God can do. Number five, cinque. Number five. Uh, in fact, as I say that, this is not in any of my notes, um, but one of the things that I loved about, about Italy was because they, they have um, the accent on certain parts of, of the words. And so I was getting the accents, you know, wrong. Uh, so, pleased to meet you, Picciero di Conocerti, Picciere di Conocerti. And they're like, no, 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 you put the accent wrong. Picciere di Conocerti. Picciero di Conocerti. And they said, you got to think like it's a song. <laughs> Italiano is a song. And I'm like, oh, I love it. They don't speak, they sing. Bona, buonissimo. I'm, I'm like, I love this. Non mi posso lamentare. I mean, everything is, is a song. Wherever you go, you know, I'm like, we're, we're looking at this dessert. I'm like, what is it? It's maritozzo. Oh, it's maritozzo? No, no, maritozzo. Of course it is. It's a cream bun filled with, with custard and a song accompanies it. They, 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 they sing everything. They, they sing their words. They sing. Again, not in my notes. Um, the, the, in America, you've got to be very, very careful. Food is fuel in America. Food is fuel. We, we're hungry because we're, we're busy, and so we're going to go and go to fast food. There's, you know, they, they have some fast food, but nobody really eats in the fast food except the tourists. The locals don't really eat the fast food. Food is not meant to ever have been fast. You fast from food. It's almost like fast food uh, 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 is an oxymoron. Because fast means to abstain from food. That's why it's break fast, because you're breaking the fast. You had, you know, eight hours or however many hours you slept where you didn't eat. And so it's break fast. You're breaking the fast and you're eating again. But we have fast food, which is an oxymoron. In, in Italy, I mean, dear Jesus, if you go to, a, a, you know, again, a health coach or, a, you know, fitness coach, they will tell you, okay, first thing we're going to do to get you into shape, you've got to stop eating carbs, like cut out your breads, your, your pastas, your white sugars, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, you've got to don't eat after 9 p.m. At 9 p.m., the restaurants are kind of 20% full. 10.30, the restaurant's full. And at 10.30, you're eating the first of seven courses. The first of seven courses with panne, bread, with three different types of pasta. And you're like, hang on, I'm going to be a fat little Larry. 
Come on, thank you, Pastor Sam. Then, then at 12.30, we're leaving the restaurant. Belly's full. I can't eat another thing. But you've just had dolce. You've just had dessert. And you're leaving the restaurant thinking you're going home. Thinking, but then you're Italian host. So, oh, no, no, we don't go home at 12.30. It's gelato. We go to a gelateria. I was told not to eat any sugar to cut it out and I've just had seven courses after 9 p.m. and now we and so we go to you think a, a little gelateria is, is is a store that's maybe you know this wide with a you know with a bay marie with glass and you can choose your oh no 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 not where we were where we were we pull up to a restaurant and the restaurant doesn't serve food it serves alcohol and ice cream This could be heaven. This could be heaven. Like, I promise you, if I get to heaven and it's overcrowded, I'll go to Italy. I'll volunteer. You know how Southwest oversell their flights and then they give you $250 if you get the next one? If, if we get like that to heaven, um, unfortunately, folks, uh, heaven's a little overcrowded. We need some... I'll go to Italy. Send me to Italy. I won't even notice, notice the difference. So we're, we're in this gelateria. Pastor Lisa, the gelateria had, had a full-color menu, 30 pages of all, of all the different types of, of gelatos that you could order, that, and some of them had liqueur in them. I'm not saying that I went for the alcoholic ones. I'm saying Leanne did. No, she didn't. No, she did, and she was very well-behaved. She did a few times. And... Uh, but it was just, and you're sitting there thinking, it's packed. It's quarter to two in the morning, and it's packed, full of young people. And the young people were not on their phones. The young people weren't loud or obnoxious or drunk. The young people were, the girls were dressed in beautiful dresses. The young men were dressed. Nobody wore a T-shirt. Everybody had button-ups and nice trousers and nice pants. They, they dress up to go out. And when you were sitting in the restaurant, the, the, the restaurants had at least three generations at the table. At least three. You would look across and there's a table you would see nonna. You'd see grandma and granddad. You'd see the parents and you'd see the children. And sometimes you saw four generations. You saw great-grandfather and great-grandmother all the way down, all sitting around, no one on their phones, everyone engaging, everyone enjoying the food. And I thought, my God, we don't enjoy. Can I tell you that Jesus did nearly all of his great discipleship and teaching around food. You and I, you know, born and raised in America or for Leanne and I coming as migrants to America, please understand that America is a business culture. So food is seen as fuel but not in the kingdom. In the kingdom, see food as familia, as fellowship, as fiesta, as celebration, as enjoyment. Enjoy food. Have people over. Go out. Don't be in a rush. Don't say, well, I've got one hour to squeeze this. In. No, enjoy. The, take the whole evening and, and spend that time. Amen? Amen? All right. Did I get to beauty trumps function, number five? Number five. Be oh, shoot. I've got five minutes left. Beauty trumps function. Beauty Trump's function. 
everywhere we looked, everywhere we looked, they, they, they didn't just build, like in Venice, they didn't just build buildings that were functional. They didn't just build cathedrals that were functional. They didn't just build bridges that were functional. They didn't build everything they built, they built with beauty. They weren't going to just make something because, well, we need a bridge here and, hey, it's functional. That the, the, everything they did was beautiful. It really, it, I felt so convicted. I thought, how often do we go, Pastor Jesse, with the cheapest quote because it's functional, it gets the job done, uh, as opposed to, okay, well, let's get the best price, but let's not compromise on things being beautiful. Let's have beautiful seats and beautiful foyers and, and beautiful atmosphere and beautiful screens and beautiful lights, like... You know, when you travel there, they weren't thinking budget. They weren't thinking, you know, and I'm sure they, they had budgets and I'm sure that they were wise with, with their money trying to get the, the, you know, the greatest bang for buck. But, but, but there was no compromise on beauty. They knew anything that they did had to be beautiful. And, uh, you know, when I look at what Pastor Morgan's done with, you know, our logo and then what Pastor uh, Paul Churchwood's done with, making sure that, that when you drive past one of our buildings, it pops. It just looks awakened church, you know, Balboa campus or Bayho campus or El Cajon campus. I, I, I love when you, when you, when you see the, it, 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 it's meant to be beautiful. I had the mayor of El Cajon crying, saying, thank God for awakened, thank God for awakened. He says that building before was derelict and it attracted broken and homeless. He says, but now you've changed something in the city. You've changed something in the culture because you're meant to bring beauty. You're meant to bring beauty. <clears throat> Number six, the earth is a seedbed. The earth is a seedbed. Poor old Tommy and, and Zoe, uh, when we landed in Switzerland and then when we drove into Germany, I kept asking them one question over and over. And we saw the same as we were on the high-speed trains in, in Italy uh, as we're going through the countryside, I said to them, uh, is the world overpopulated? And yeah, and they're like, dad, like you just see rolling hills and greenery, rolling hills and greenery. And then there's a, there's a, uh, a beautiful villa, you know, rolls, rolling hills, greenery, rolling hills, greenery. There's no, that, that World Economic Forum Bill Gates depopulation. He's a psychopath, by the way. Um, is is they they gather people into cities so that your senses are overwhelmed by the city. It's so crowded. I couldn't even get. You're right. The world must be overpopulated. It took me an hour driving around to get a parking spot. Oh my gosh! Like I'm bumping into people. It's. But if you go outside of the city, it's the world can handle right now e easily, easily one thousand times its population. Easily, every one person multiplied a thousand times. There's still plenty of room in the earth. So then they then they start telling you this. Well, no, the world is overpopulated. There's just not enough resources. We need to we need to have a sustainable planet. And to do that, these reprobates, to do that, we have to depopulate the earth through vaccinations. We have to depopulate the earth. We need to have under a billion people for a sustainable planet. So I'm driving with, with, with my kids and whether it was Italy. So if, if, when you're driving, when you're going through Italy, you will see there's not just a house on a hill, a villa on a hill. You will see that 
They have planted vineyards on one side, olive groves on the other side, tomato, eggplant, cucumber, zucchini on the other side. They're growing their own, they have their own animals. They are, they are, every, every home is self-sustainable. We went into this beautiful restaurant in, I'm going to say that was Chita Sant'Angelo, where, where we went, and there were twins, and the twins were in their, their 70s, and it was, it, there were five generations, they were the fifth generation of people that owned this particular restaurant. And we get in there, and there's no menu. There's no menu. Like, if you go to a restaurant, there's no, but, but they don't do menus in these places. And so they just brought out what was fresh, what they had prepared fresh that day. They know if what they present sucks, no one's coming back. I'm telling you, we have never had risotto like we had the risotto. We never had pasta like we had pasta. We never had meat like they had meat. So I order a bottle of the uh, Monte, Montepuziano d'Abruzzo, which over here sells for about $80 to $100 a bottle. Well, as I get up to pay the bill at the end, the bill is 102 euros. And there was four of us. We ate five courses plus dessert with two bottles of wine. And some like, oh, they must have it wrong. So I'm looking through the bill, and I said, oh, you've only charged us for a glass of wine, but we had the whole bottle. And they're like, no, no, senor, la botteglia. And I'm like, no, 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 a buchiro, um glass. No, no, 12 euros is how much it was for a bottle. You can't buy a glass of that same wine for that price here, but that was the bottle. And then they brought out complimentary the wine that they made. And then, so I gave them 150 euros because I'm like, this is just ridiculous. When I go out with just my Liani in San Diego, it costs me more than that. So here's 150, I can't take. And so he chases me, like trying to give me my money back. I wouldn't take it back. So then he gives us a, a, a gallon of olive oil that they grow and produce, the finest olive oil. The bread is made from the wheat that they grow, and it's, it's fresh. The pasture, that they make every, everything goes from the land to the table, from the land to the table. It was just, and so I began to say to the, to the kids, I said, you know, the, the, the World Economic Forum wants you to believe a lie, and that's why I'm laboring on it that the, the world is overpopulated, we need a sustainable planet, there's not enough resources, look at the people starving. The people aren't starving because there's not enough food. The people are starving because you've got people like Bill Gates who don't want to share. There's not enough to go around. Well, tell me how much money you're giving away to help feed people. Oh, no, you're investing in vaccinations that kill people rather than feed them. And so as we're driving along, especially through Germany, um, you would just see fields that were just planted. The earth is a seedbed. Did you know that the, the, the Hebrew word for the earth is Adamah, which is female? Which is female. Why? Because you put seed into her and she produces fruit. You put seed into her and she produces life. You put seed into her. And so if oh, there's not enough food, well, plant more. Like, what part of Genesis 129... See, I've given you every seed, every herb, every plant bearing seed within itself. To you it shall be for food. The first lesson for Adam was the earth is a seedbed. If, if you don't have enough, plant more. You don't have enough tomatoes, you've run out, plant more tomato seeds. You like zucchini, plant more zucchini. Whatever you want, the earth 
was designed and created to reproduce. But these reprobates, they hate God. They hate His Word. They move away from the Word because they know if you grow your own food, you don't need them. And if you don't need them, they can't lord it over you. That's why the whole, by 2030, you'll own nothing. If you own nothing and they own everything, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. This is a power play. Don't buy into it. Don't buy into it. And the last one, number seven, was you're, was you're never on vacation from God. You're always with God. Everywhere we went, I was, I was in um, Pescara. We had the whole family with us. And, uh, and then a beautiful man there who'd been coming to our San Marcos campus said, um, would you baptize me? Would you baptize me? My beautiful boy, Tommy, I, I turn around, he's talking to these ladies, and, and I thought, oh. So I walk over, and I'm thinking, what, what are they talking about? And they're like, you know, we, we heard his accent, and we said, oh, are you from America? We were from New York. And I said, oh, that's beautiful. I said, we're from San Diego. Oh, we know people from San Diego. So I said, oh, you know, is it the DeLucas? No. Is it the Coluches? No. I said, oh, okay. So the next day we see these same people. And we're like, oh, you know, it's so funny. We're here with people from San Diego. You know, what a small world, but you don't know who we know. They said, yes, you know, our friend is Diego de Quizno. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm baptizing him here tomorrow morning at 730 in the morning. And they're like, what? And so then we start talking about faith, and then it was like a witnessing opportunity. So then the next morning, he wanted to get baptized. He, he'd been coming to San Marcos campus, and he kept putting it off, and he knew that God spoke to him. And he said to his wife, I'm getting baptized. She's like, but, but you know, all of our friends are mad because they're Catholic. And in Catholic, for you to get water, but you were already, you already baptized as a baby. Why would you get? And so, it, so about 30 or 40 people turn up, and then everybody that's going by as I'm kind of wading out in the water, you know, praying with them, and then there's about 100 people on the, on the beach watching. And, and then I got to preach, which was awesome, because I thought, here's my chance. And, uh, and then there was a beautiful young lady who had been diagnosed with cancer, so the Bible commands us, heal the sick. So I just thought, it's not a coincidence. So I said, come, let me pray for you. Held her hand, immediately felt heat, immediately felt power. So she starts crying. So that's the power of God coming on you. So then we find out a week later, because she was going for tests that morning, I says, make sure they do all the tests, because what they're going to find, they're going to scratch their heads, and they're going to say, we don't understand this, the cancer disappeared and so she's like well you know that they they went and they said that the tests were inconclusive what they thought is now now no longer there and so just bringing hope just bringing healing we get to to germany and pastor mike and lisa kai are there i get to preach in germany we didn't plan on me preaching i said to leanne i wouldn't preach while we're on vacation Leanne gave me permission to, to go and preach. We had an impact. I got to, to preach, and they were broadcasting into Tuttlingen, which is the town I was born in. And then we're walking through the marketplace, and people are coming up hungry for God, hungry for God. And we saw, wow, you can have a vacation from your church, but you never have a vacation from God. God is always with you. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Stand to our feet. Father, we just thank you for your blessing. We thank you, Lord God that the wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. Father, let us always see the lessons around about us. Let us see the lessons around about us. 
Let us be people, Father God, that, that, that don't see food as just fuel. That it just fuels us for our next activity. That food is the activity. The Roman Empire was built literally on fidelity, marriage. It was built on faith and familia. And it lasted almost a thousand years. It was only when they were so, so prosperous and so wealthy that some of the emperors decided they would become reprobate and corrupt. But it, it almost lasted a thousand years because of, longer than any other empire has ever lasted, the Roman Empire. And to this day, when you're there, you still see it. You still see the familia is ingrained. Lowest abortion rate in the world because of familia. The, the food is fresh, but it's a festival. Everyone sits around, everyone celebrates and enjoys. They're constantly celebrating. You know, some people say, I don't think they get anything done because everyone sleeps into about 10. You don't go to bed till like 2. And then at, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you kind of finish work and you get ready for aperitivo. And uh, so I think there's maybe about four, four hours a day where they, where they work today. So it's a different world. But just lift your hands high to heaven. Father, I thank you for these beautiful people. We thank you for life lessons. We, Father, we thank you that even as Leanne and I were away, we're, we're away, but we were with you. And you were showing us things. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Whenever you go away on vacation, always, always understand that you're taking God with you. He is the greatest tour guide. He'll, he'll open your eyes to things that you'll miss. He was showing us wonderful things. Like I said, I've got about 35 things and I had to try and reduce it to the things that you'll see, the things that it's, the earth is his playground. You're his daughter, you're his son, you're his delight. He wants to show you great things. If you're enjoying life, it's very hard to have, an, have a breakdown. People that have breakdowns, people that have burnouts are people that became a human doing rather than a human being. Be still and know that I'm God. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes just being still, looking around at a beautiful sunset, the sunsets that we saw, the sunrises that we saw, the sights that we saw, the countryside that we saw, just breathing in, giving God praise for his creation. Bless these people, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.